0: this morning we're looking at Colossians chapter 1 and uh, for those of you who come on Wednesday nights this is a review somewhat of a review and um, uh, it's a very for me it's a kind of like one of those stop and pause and think about this for a while moments and whenever Whenever you're wanting, you know, okay, Lord, what is it we what is it we're going to write on today or this week? What we're going to speak on this week? And my 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 thoughts were drawn to Wednesday night and what um, one of the the Message Bible version that Tabby read was just one of those like, oh my, now we we need to think about that and. We did at the moment, but then after that, I thought, I need to put that down for Sunday. So anyhow, here goes Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, and I'm reading from the Message Bible. We look at this, and this is speaking about Jesus Christ, and, and what's going on is the church at Colossae is being attacked by heretics, meaning that there were individuals who uh, seemingly had been part of the church body, that have accepted Jesus Christ, as their savior and we're part of it but we've got to understand there's no there's no written documents there's no teachings that are on paper you know these are individuals who have you know um, the teachers are Paul and and some of the other disciples and in individuals that Paul had had um, taught and brought to the Lord they started these churches and so the church at Colossae was founded and and the primary the primary focus of the church was the resurrection of Jesus Christ Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. So these individuals um, seemingly were part of the church, but then they started getting caught up in what the Gnostics, these, uh, um, there was a separate teaching that was going on, and the Gnostics had this very humanistic perspective. And what they, they taught was, and that's kind of what Paul is addressing here, and you know, we'll talk about it a little bit, but they, they, taught, they thought and taught that any, all matter is evil. You know, all matter is no good. So the earth, humans, whatever's, whatever is, it's all evil. So they believed that only what is spirit is what matters. So they felt that you could do anything you want with your body because it's evil. <laughs> and so it only mattered what your spirit was. Well, then whenever um, we're talking about Jesus and Jesus coming in the flesh and he is God, they say, oh, no, he can't be God because he's in the flesh. Flesh is evil. God can't be evil. (laughs) And, you know, they're going back and forth with those arguments. And and so Paul is writing to the church trying to head off these or trying to put a stop to these uh, false assumptions. And so whenever he's talking here, he is talking to us about Jesus And he says, we look at his son, meaning Jesus, and see God who cannot be seen. We look at his son and see God's original purpose in everything he created. They believed that the world was evil. God couldn't have created it because it's evil. Paul said, no, God created it all. And in Jesus Christ, we see God. If you see me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. It goes on. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. And this is the part that kind of resonated on Wednesday night. From beginning to end, he's there. Towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he. So expansive that everything God finds Everything of God finds its proper place in Him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of His death, His blood poured down from the cross. All the broken pieces. Well, as I said, these, these peeps, the pieces that we see in our, our, our society, in our, our uh, community, in our country, in our, our world, that there are a lot of broken pieces. There are a lot of lonely people. There are a lot of hurt and scared individuals about this pandemic and about it's coming to an end or hopefully coming to an end and is there another wave and where did it come from? The arguments still go on. <laughs> So, but when you look at our community and you look at what has happened in you know our region, um, we've not suffered that much. Uh, we've had a few away for a whole year or longer. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> so, but that's all right. You know, you needed to be, you needed to be in a safe place. So, when we look and it, it's you know and we see all the things that's going on, and we haven't had it that bad, or that much. You know, I think of El Salvador. When they ran out of food, they were to put a white flag on their porches, a white handkerchief, and that was only when they ran out of food. And people could only get out of their homes when they're, they're whatever. Like we would look at a social security number, and when that number a- ended in a, in a certain odd or even, even you were only allowed out a couple hours, once or twice a week. And and the food in the stores were not that full and you go out into the royal commun- rural communities there's no store <laughs> there's nothing and how these people existed is you know it's beyond me but it was interesting how that david talks about how that the, the projects that they worked within communities that those projects of of uh, tilapia ponds and, and gardens and things like that it was those types of things that helped the communities survive the pandemic and it was those things that they started to put together to help people have renewable resources that they were able to survive this and it's it's, it's we can see how god has was providing for that that communities those communities and those areas even before the problem arose and i think it's that kind of like that in our own lives that and we spoke about that in the sunday school lesson about Abraham and how that, you know, it was a theophany in which Jesus Christ appears to Abraham with two angels and, and he's talking to him. And they tell them about Sodom and the destruction that's coming. And how that Abraham prays for the community of Sodom. And how that he intercedes for them. And there's this idea of understanding that God has a purpose and God has a way of bringing about his grace and his mercy, trying to reach individuals with his grace and his mercy before there is judgment, before there is things and there's problems. Well, anyhow, we know that, in case you didn't notice, it's hard to purchase new cars. If you go to the car dealers, they have, if any, they have, they have a, only a few new cars, and it's all, all used. And we said, well, what happened to the cars? Anybody know? The chip. The chip's missing. What's that? ran out of Doritos. Out of Doritos. Yes. <laughs> the chips are missing. Yeah. Uh, the chips are missing. They ran out of Doritos. Thank you very much. I should have thought of that. So the complete industry, the auto industry, shut down because of, of this uh, m- missing chip. Well, Whenever we look at our own lives, you know, um, there is, in, in our Christian faith, I, I look at it in a sense broadly. Some churches and some religions, they look like everything is complete, but they really don't operate. <laughs> Just like the car that looks complete at the factory, but it's not, there's a chip missing from the computers to make it work. Well, there's life missing from some religions and some you know, uh, denominations or whatever that there's no life in it because the Holy Spirit is not there and and everybody you know people can interpret what life is you know but the, the idea that with these cars there's something missing that just they just don't run they don't function <laughs> well Paul in his letter to the church at Colossae was was um, coming against these false teachers and they they would say the spirit is good matter is evil this teaching was that jesus was not god he couldn't have been god because he was human and if he was human he isn't you know has no way of being divine one must follow ceremonies and rituals and restrictions in order to be saved or perfected and we know that the jewish people the the jewish uh, faith required circumcision and the heretics it was a, a pursuit of knowledge and only a few select few they knew who they were you couldn't choose them they knew who they were they, they had this perfect knowledge and everybody had to follow them they said that angels must be worshipped and we know that no you only worship Jesus and uh, they 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 try to teach that Jesus could not be both human and divine but we know that Jesus says If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the exact image and replication. So that's why Paul was writing these things. And we're trying to put the truths of the scriptures and face the realities of those things that just don't run. (laughs) They just don't make it. Verse 15 says, We look at the Son and see God who cannot be seen. (laughs) We look at Jesus Christ. And we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the Son, Jesus, and see God's original purpose in everything created. Sometimes whenever we read the scriptures, and we just, as it were, in the New Testament, you know, the Gospels, and, and see, read about Christ and the image of Jesus. What is, it, what is he like? It isn't what does he look like, but what is his nature? What is, what is he doing? He's teaching and healing. He's healing and restoring. He's leading. He's helping. He's opening blinded eyes. And people who can't walk receive the ability to walk. And, you know, feeding 5,000. And, you know, we see all these things going on. So what is the character? What does God look like? If you've seen Jesus, you see God's original purpose God's original purpose was that nothing be broken. That lives not be broken. Communities not be broken. People that would would not hurt or be hurt. Hmm. There's always people trying to remove some part of our faith. You know. And the things that they pull out of their faith is like going through the scriptures and ripping out pages and say we don't believe this and we don't believe. No. The whole book or none of it. (laughs) Did you know a car can run without headlights? Except at night. (laughs) Well, you know, some people's faith can't operate in the dark times. Because... There's no light in the dark time for them to travel or to live by. (laughs) And we've heard this one before, that God is like a spare tire. You don't need to think of him until you have a flat. And then you always say it's only flat on the bottom. We know that there are some vehicles that are always broke down. (laughs) And sometimes that's because of the vehicle, and sometimes it's because of no maintenance. (laughs) And sometimes our faith is broke down because there's no maintenance. Coming to church, reading the scriptures, meditating on the word. I remember um, whenever we lived in the parsonage the next door, I would go over and Jeff, uh, our, our neighbor, had a, an ambulance you know, up, on the, up on the blocks. And he was changing the oil. And it was kind of ironic. He said, watch this. And he took the plug out and pulled the plug away, and you waited, and you waited, and then this big pop <makes noise> comes down. He said, they always check the oil, they just never changed it. <laughs> it cost them an engine. <laughs> well, you see, maintenance, it all looks good, but it just doesn't function. And sometimes I think religion or people's religion or faith they, they don't maintain it. It's like, oh it's like, well, I, I have enough to get by. I have enough to, but we have to maintain because our faith is an ever-growing faith. It changes. You know, the same faith that I understood when I was 15 is different than the faith that I understand now. It's the same God. It's the same scripture. But, I've, but we grow in our knowledge and in our need and our understanding because perspectives change. I had hair back then almost like yours <laughs> and in a hospital I always think of uh, not always but I think of individuals who uh, you know someone is very gravely ill and perhaps dying and they're praying for God to take their life and spare the life of the one that is dying and and I, although I understand the motive and the desire, but God doesn't have a quota. <laughs> you know, so many people have to go to heaven today. You know, I've got a quota to meet, and I'll take you instead of Him. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll exchange my life for theirs. And then they get mad at God because He didn't answer their prayer. You know, we can't, <laughs> we've got to understand the God that we're dealing with the God, His character, and His love, and His gracious. If you've seen Jesus, You've seen God. Now, we can't well, what does God look like? Well, I've seen his picture. <laughs> There's no recent photos, you know. And the idea is that we have to see the character of God. We have to see what he's like. What God is and who he is and what he has done in our lives. The message of the Bible says, we look at the sun and see God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and seeing God's original purpose in everything he created. We see God's original purpose in everything he created. And our, and, our, and our goal is to look at God and see the purpose. What was his purpose in doing all of this? And then the next verse, verse 16, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and inv- invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything God started in him and finds its purpose in him wow purpose god's original purpose purpose is the reason something is done the reason that it is created sometimes people lose purpose what am i here for what what does what makes what is it important in this life what is it that god wants me to do why was i created why was i in, why am i in this family any of you ever asked that question? <laughs> why am I in this family? <laughs> Just be thankful. You could be in Central America. You could be in Africa. You could be in China. You know, We don't know why you're here, but we know that we are, and so we are to be thankful. But in everything, in Christ, we have a purpose. <laughs> you know, sometimes when people ask me, what do you think God's purpose is for my life? What do you think I should be doing? Well, if I I look back to when I was 15, 18, 16, I graduated and I was 17, so uh, I was fully mature and knew exactly what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, boom, yeah. I went to college to be a phys ed teacher, you know, I was going to be a coach and Football coach and play. Hopefully, get get uh, good enough to play and and the college team and all that good stuff. And I made the team. And then God, I felt God called me to the ministry. It's like okay, that's a little different. And uh, so it wasn't until I was 19 (laughs) that I ever thought of being a minister. But 15, I had no intention of ever going into the ministry. And, you know, so you have, you, you, you know, the, I always ask people, what is it you love to do? Well, and, and you know, the, the trick in life is to find something you love to do and get paid for it, you know? And if we can find a thing we love to do and get paid for it, that's a win-win, <laughs> you know? So, if you don't love what you're doing, learn to love it, <laughs> Let's say quit, but don't, don't, you don't quit until you get another job, okay? You know, always, it? You ru- the vehicle you are in, you don't, you don't get out of it and throw it over the bank until you have a new vehicle. <laughs> you don't quit your job in hope of finding one. You, <laughs> you, you run your job until you find the job you want and you move on to there and find out the same problems that existed in the one you had is the same one you got, problems you have in the place where you're at. And generally, it's you. (laughs) The challenge is that whenever we move, we always take our suitcases. And it's what's in our suitcases that really determines who we are. If we can let go of the bad, learn from it, and grow into the new, and we can do that and renew ourselves where we are at. And that God has a way of, of doing that. So our purpose is something that continues to evolve. I'm not saying we're ev- evolving in revo- evolution, but we are evolving. You know, our the ministry that we have here for the last 42 years—that's a mouthful—that uh, <laughs> it has evolved from many through many different stages in many different ways, and so we're grateful for all of you who have put up with me. Right, Glenda? I called you by name correctly. (laughs) I've missed. Never mind. So verse 17. He was there there before any of it came into existence. So Jesus was there prior to the existence of anything. He set it up. He set it in place. And then he holds it all together right up to this moment. So Jesus is the one who put the universe in place. And Paul is telling us he holds it together right up into this moment. It's an ongoing, moment-by-moment, God holding us together. (laughs) God is not only the creator of the world, he is the sustainer. Whether we believe it or not, he still sustains us and he keeps us. His strength supports us. (laughs) The ultimate question in life, which forms the way we live... Is what happens when you die? What? what happens when you die? Because none of us get out of this place alive and so you may not you know die for a hundred years that's okay but what happens when you die? That understanding sets us up for living. People who belie- believe, well, you're like a dog, you die, you go in to dirt, nothing, nothing else exists. Well, how do they live? But you see, those who believe in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead and that for the, the forgiveness of sins, and if you've, seen God, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And we understand that there's life here and there's life for eternity. And so we live with an, an understanding that God is holding this all together. God has a purpose for my life. He's put in this, this body here, this container. He's put in our talents and abilities that life starts to bring out. And some things we thought we could never do, we end up doing. And some things we thought we were really good at, we find out we're not. <laughs> but God helps us discover all of that. And so we're working towards a goal, towards an end. We don't finish. We just keep growing. We keep changing, keep going on. There's no faith if Jesus is not risen from the dead. Because I live, you shall live also. Had communion. It speaks to us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, people say, well, there's two different gods. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. No, it's the same God. In the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the cross in the New Testament, we are looking backward to the cross. But the cross is the center part. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the forgiveness of sins. So all of those in the past who were covered by the offering, by the sin of the animals, they are forgiven and they're wiped clean and they, those saints, are with God. And the, the blood of Christ goes forward in time to anyone, everyone who confesses their sins, that blood washes them clean. So you see, we have a hope of an expectation of a resurrection so our faith gives us strength to go forward the righteous to life everlasting there is a reason to our faith and our belief (laughs) you know not just to escape hell (laughs) but in our life is to live a victorious life for Christ the blessing the confidence the hope the faith we possess for our life, for our families, for our work, for our destiny. It's part of who we are. It's where we're going. We have this grace and mercy, this divine favor, this divine choice. You have not chosen me, I have chosen you. God's choice. He chose you, we responded. Verse 18. From beginning to end, He's there. Jesus is there. From beginning, from creation, before creation, up into this moment, into the future, when we're resurrected, from, Jesus is there, towering above everything and everyone. So spacious is God. Okay, think. God doesn't fit us into a mold. He's not a cookie cutter. So spacious is God. So expansive, not expensive, expansive, that everything God finds, everything of God, finds its proper place in him without crowding. Lots of elbow room. Do you know why people have conflict? The people have conflict because two people try to stay, stand in the same spot. Conflict happens when two people try to stand in the same spot. You can't do that. <laughs> because somebody's going to be elbowing and pushing and whatever, and conflict. But hey, yeah, you can have the spot. Because in God, it's expansive. You don't have to be bumping into elbows because your growth and development continues. It grows on from here everything in of God finds its proper place without crowding not only that but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe all the broken pieces all the lonely people all the difficult places people things animals atoms Get properly fixed and fitted together in a vibrant harmony. We are here in a vibrant harmony. And you know what? I love the symphony. (laughs) I don't know beans about music. You give me, you know, I can sing six flats (laughs) at the same time. You know, I can have four flats on a tire, on a car. But you see, they're, they're, I know nothing about it, but I love a symphony. And I love the violins, you know, and the horns and all of that. Because it's such a vibrant harmony. That's what I love about the symphony. A vibrant harmony. That's who we are in the body of Christ. Without crowding. Without crowding, we are are part of the harmonic instruments of God, the, the, the symphony of God, living our life in recognition and praise to Almighty God. And we all fit together, making our notes and melodies of our heart to the Lord. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place. Holy, look at me. I'm in the right place at the right time, living the correct life, knowing that God is blessing me, and I'm giving praise to God. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of odd, isn't it? Why? Why can't we praise God where we're at? Well, I don't know if this is where I want to be. Well, praise God where you're at, and he'll direct you to where you need to be. <laughs> you know, it isn't like we can, God can fix something and move you over there. He has to start with where you're at. The vehicle has to run. The chip can't be missing. <laughs> the chip that keeps cars from running now, the chips can't be missing. And what is the chip? Our faith and belief that God is working in our life and he has a purpose for us in all the broken pieces. Everyone has been hurt. Everyone has failed. Everyone has had injuries and hurts and wounds, scrapes, emotional, physical, and mental wounds, spiritual wounds. But you know what? <laughs> Everything of God finds a proper place in him he is the one who heals our wounds heals the broken pieces puts them together and you know what the broken pieces to god are like a puzzle they just come together and fit the cross of jesus christ on which he was his blood was shed for the mankind it was that none be lost no one God does not want anyone to spend an eternity in hell. God wants everyone to go to heaven. But some people just won't listen. Some people won't take that to heart, that he calls them to walk with him. It is Christ alone. In Christ, we become what God has called us to be. Jesus cleared away the sin that keeps us from having the right relationship with our creator. Everything that stands between God and I, God and you, Jesus has moved aside. And we have a clear path. But what God is waiting for is for us to ask him to walk with us. (laughs) It is in this place that we have forgiveness it is in this place that we may be complete in God the Bible says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness another version says but if we freely admit that we have sinned we find God utterly reliable and straightforward He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. (laughs) Wow. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fitted together in vibrant harmonies. Wow. Let's join the orchestra. (laughs) Let's join the symphony of God's grace and mercy. And every time we say thank you, it's part of the chorus. Every time we say praise God for blessing me, it's part of the song. Every time we reach into our heart and, and take time to meditate on God and think on him, these are vibrant tones coming together. And the orchestra of, of earth is singing its praises, playing its praises to God. And here we are just doing our little part. (laughs) You know, uh, Rhonda's nephew, his wife, Lorraine, she plays the flute. And sometimes in the marches, you know, she plays that little piccolo. And you know, whenever she plays that little piccolo, it's a very little thing. But you know what? It just sets the whole tone for the whole orchestra and, this, and the piece that they're playing. <laughs> Sometimes we just might be that little piccolo that plays that little march that sets the tone for the entire orchestra. That's how important we are. And God, he takes all the broken, all the dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, And he fixes it and fits it together in vibrant harmonies. I would give anything to sing in harmony with somebody. (laughs) But all I ever learned to sing with was a diesel engine. (laughs) On a tractor. But you see, in eternity, them tractors will be (laughs) tuned. But it's all because of his death, his blood poured out from the cross. Amen. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to die on the cross for us. You were willing to pay the price that our life might find this place of harmonious living. Lord, we can look at our life and say, this isn't harmony, this is chaos. But Lord, you're not done yet. We need to invite you into this tent, this place Not only into our lives, but into our our family, into our work where we are located. And Lord, we invite you there to bring this together, fit it together in a glorious harmony. And Lord, we will thank you in advance. Before we can see anything happening, we receive a divine promise that it will come to pass. Because we believe your promises. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.